Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Maria's Mutts and Stuff. What a great idea. On iHeartRadio. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Maria's Mutts and Stuff. It's Maria Melito, and with me today in my studio, I'm so happy when somebody comes to my studio, I have Rachel Herman of Paws New York. Rachel, thank you for being here and physically being here on oh, Maria's Mutts and Stuff. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about the opportunity to share our work. Me too, because I think your organization is amazing. It's Paws, P-A-W-S, New York. So tell, tell us what Paws New York is. Yeah, so um, PAWS stands for Pets Are Wonderful Support, and we go by PAWS New York. And our goal is to help keep people and pets together. Mm -hmm. And our core focus is on helping New York City's most vulnerable residents. So these are seniors, people with disabilities, people suffering from illness who are low income. Mm -hmm. And they're struggling to take care of their animals because of their physical and financial obstacles. So we come in and we provide the support they need to make sure that those bonds can remain intact. And for the people that we're helping, their pet is, in many cases, their sole companion. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's really important that we can help facilitate that relationship and make sure that, um, you know, life circumstances don't, you know, life circumstances aren't threatening wow. uh, to, to get in the way of that relationship. Wow. I mean, that's pretty amazing because it's just such a, it's such a good deed on top of everything else yeah, that you're well, doing that. So... You know, it's great to be able to help animals, but to combine helping animals with helping pe people, with people is, yeah, is, is, huge. is really amazing. And, and that's really like why we exist. It's all about improving the quality of life for people. Sure. And in order to do that, we're helping them take care of their animals who, you know, as I mentioned, are their most beloved companions. Of and, course. And some of our clients have even said, you know, their pet is the reason they wake up each day. Of course. And I so say that, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really important to do what we can to just... To make sure that they can t continue to experience that great relationship. And how did it all start? It's is ten years old now. Is that correct? Almost two thousand eight, which, which is crazy. I yeah. know, right? So, um, <laughs> so two thousand eight, I um, I was in grad school, mm -hmm. and I would walk to class, and I would often see a young homeless couple and their dog outside of a local grocery store, and I would occasionally donate pet food, donate change, but I didn't really feel like my contributions were truly making an impact, okay. you know, and I realized that this couple was giving up a warm bed at night because of their strong relationship with their animal right. because homeless shelters don't allow Don't pets. take animals, right. So that led me to think about, you know, who else in this city, you know, has a pet, benefits greatly from that relationship, but who are just struggling because of right. the, the circumstances they found themselves in. And that led me to, you know, initially think about seniors, mm -hmm. um, you know, people who are low income. So, you know, they don't have the physical ability to maybe provide that care that they once were able to do, but then also don't have the financial resources to pay somebody to, to come in and help them. And, you know, I did a little bit of research and I could not identify an organization in existence in New York City that provided the kind of 
sort of in-home physical assistance on a daily basis to help right. keep people and pets together. And so I decided to try starting an organization. Um, it was a slow go. I worked full-time somewhere else while at the same time starting up PAWS. So right. it was then in 2012 when I transitioned full-time to the organization. And uh, we really focused on, you know, building a, a successful, efficient, responsible organization. So wow, idea 2008, but I really feel like, you know, January 2012 was like our real start right. when we really started investing time and resources into building the program. And that's when it really became your whole life. I mean, yeah. it was your whole yeah. life, but you're also <laughs> yes. having another job. So you Exactly. Were, yeah, yeah, it was hard. You know, day job, lunch, weekends, oh uh, evenings, pause. No time to sleep. Right. <laughs> Not right. much. Right. And I'm sure you don't sleep now either, but because I, I just think it's incredible. So, so basically you're just letting people hold on to their the rest of their family right because they're able to hold on to their pets we make sacrifices for our animals um you know we we love them they're members of our family sure. and so people you know when faced with difficult situations you know giving up their pet is is either something they will never do or right. something that they will only do if it's truly you know a matter of, like, life and yeah. death for themselves, I would think. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, our clients, when we first meet with them, and, and we we do administer a survey and to assess, like, the, the, the impact of our programs. And, you know, before becoming a client, many many of our clients have said that they've thought about giving up their pet. And it's not because they don't want them, but because they feel such, I think, emotional turmoil right. and not being able to provide right. the kind of care they wish they could sure. and they once could when they were a little bit younger. You know, they they adopted their pet, you know, five, ten years ago. They were healthier, more mobile. And sure. in that time, they've become, you know, sick or developed a disability. Um, or they've just aged. Like, life has happened. Right. And right. now, you know, they're in a position where they they just can't do it on their own anymore. And they don't have right. anywhere else to turn. Well, it's amazing because I'm sure it's, like, extremely guilty being put in that position, yeah. not knowing where, what to do. And mm -hmm. you don't – it's true. I mean, it's giving up your family member. Yeah. So – Exactly. So, so that's where your group comes in. Now, mm -hmm. do you have a staff or it's all the yes. volunteers? So we both? have, um, there are four staff members. Mm -hmm. Three of us are full-time. So it's me. And then we have a program director and a program manager. Mm -hmm. And then we recently brought on a part-time pet pantry coordinator. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So we're, we're a small staff. All of our direct services are provided by volunteers, though. Okay. So over time, we've trained approximately 1,500 volunteers. Wow. Yeah. And... And, you know, if you think about it, a person who has a dog and needs help walking their dog every day, that's, you know, upwards of 14 individual visits every week. Sure. And most volunteers can commit to one assignment. Two is is right, a lot. Right. And so we need a, a lot of volunteers to— Right, for, like, even one person. Yeah, for even just wow. one person. that's true. I didn't yeah. think about it like that, but it's— Yeah. Yeah, it's not like you're just going into someone's house once a day. Right. You might be going in three times a day Exactly, or yeah. It, most often, two would be sort of on the high right. end, but, you know, our program is all about quality versus quantity. So sure. when I say that, I mean that if we were serving 10 different people and each of those 10 people were getting yeah, one visit a week— Right. Are we really making a difference in that person's, in any of those people's right. lives? Are, are we right. making a, is, is our help ensuring that that pet can stay at home with that person? Right. Versus if we are providing one person with 10 visits, right? Right. right. You know, 
that's making a difference. Of course. So we're all about making sure that we're providing high-quality, comprehensive care to each individual person. And as we grow, not compromising that care as we bring on more people. So making right. sure that every client we have is really getting um, the best care we can provide sure. and we're not growing at the expense of, of those we're helping. Right, right. So the quality of life for both the pers- the client and and the pet is good. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you deal, I know with, not deal, but I, you <laughs> uh, take care of dogs and cats as well? Yes, dogs and cats. We've had a few other animals oh, here and there. Okay. So we're not, you know, we don't, we don't discriminate based right. on the type of pet. But um, it's mostly dogs because dogs do require right. more consistent yeah, scheduled care with right. the dog walks. So it, it, I would say probably of the visits we're doing, you know, probably... is dog walking and the rest is cat care, like helping clean the litter box. And then we do one-off stuff too, like vet transports, medication administration, things like that. that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these volunteer services we provide um, that I've been speaking about are offered through what we call our house call program, Mm -hmm. which is our core program. But then in addition to that, we have supplemental services that we offer our house call clients um, as well. So we help with... um, Foster and emergency care. So if a client mm. is hospitalized, oh, okay. facing a medical emergency, we will make sure their pet is taken care of. And when the person comes home, we'll reunite them. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because that's a big concern for anyone, but especially huge. if you're you're alone and, right, exactly. and something happens to you, what happens to my pet? Yeah. And a yeah. lot of our clients won't go to the hospital. Because they're worried about the dog. Yep. Of course. And, then when, and if they are in the hospital, they spend their entire time worried sure. about their pet who's home alone. Right. And so for us, obviously, that's not ideal. We want our the, our human client to be living their best possible of course, life. And have peace of mind while exactly. where they should be having it yeah. in the hospital. So of they can go to the hospital. We take care of their pet. And when they're in the hospital, they don't have to worry. They don't have to stress. They know their pet is in great hands. Right. And they will see each other as soon as it's time for the person to come home. That's good. Yeah. And then does it usually happen that the regular volunteer either stays at the person's place or take or like fosters and takes the, yeah. the pet. Yeah. It, so it depends. depends. It depends on the pet, it depends on the length of time of the hospitalization. Sure. If it's a cat and it's only a couple of days, we most likely wouldn't move the cat because mm-hmm. cats are typically more difficult to right. catch. <laughs> right, right. And for such a short period of time that's pretty Better traumatizing for for sure. an, for a cat. Yeah. For a dog, if it's more than a day, we will in almost any circumstance, move the dog into a foster home. Right, right. And that way they have somebody who's with them all the time. Sure. Yeah. And, of course, I'm sure the dog is more com- is comfortable, too, because it's used to the per- the handler or the person exactly. who's coming and walking it. Yeah. So the dog is comfortable going into that exactly. foster situation. Yeah. yeah. So. so so that's our foster care program. We also have a veterinary care program. Mm-hmm. So we help cover the cost of wellness exams, vaccinations, emergency care when it comes up for our clients' pets. We partner with vets around the community who offer us um, a discount. Oh, nice. And so what's great is that, you know, if, for example, say we had $10,000 on vet care. Right. If we use our partner vets, that's, say, $20,000 worth of care Uh that we're only spending, you know, half as much on. So the the dollars for that program go really far, Mm -hmm. which is great. And then we have our pet pantry, which is, you know, bringing – pet food and other pet supplies into the homes of our clients. Mm-hmm. We're finding that, you know, when we first meet with somebody, they are either doing one of two things. They're either, they are buying pet food for their pet 
And because all of our clients are low income right. and, and are really struggling to make ends meet, you know, they might be taking away money that maybe they need for something else for, for themselves. themselves. Yeah. And we don't want them to make right. that sacrifice. Right. You know, or on the, on the other end of the spectrum, they might be feeding their pet human food, right. which is not proper nutrition for a pet. But then at the same time is also taking something away from, from themselves. Them, of course. We d- and we don't want that. So right. the goal of our pet pantry is really to ease that financial burden for our clients and make sure that the pets are getting proper nutrition and the food that they need. Mm-hmm. And um, right now we're actually growing this program. We received some funding recently, which we're really excited about. And we hired um, a part-time pet pantry oh, right, so coordinator. Right. right. Yeah. And so, so she's that's good. Yeah. She's only in, you know, five hours a week. So it's not a huge amount of time right now. But in that time, we're able to actually accomplish quite a bit by, you know, working to identify um, sort of corporate partners, mm. you know, pet food stores in the community who might want to work with us to donate sure, or to discount donate. food. Of course. Things like that. And just yeah. basically become a more consistent source of support for our clients. Right. We're not looking to give 100%. That's... I think right. an unrealistic goal, but right. but to at least can, help, and that's what you're doing exactly, yeah. and for them to know when to expect it, so they can plan around that. Sure, yeah. and I would think any of the large companies. I mean, it's a it's I don't I don't I know this is going to sound cynical, but it's a tax donation yes. for them, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, t- like a tax break because they're making a right. donation, so it would cost them nothing to donate exactly. food to you. Yeah. You hear that, big companies, if you're listening? Hey. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, any, obviously, any business in the community who hears about this and wants to get involved, we uh, would be very excited and and welcoming to to hear anything, any type of dog food. Of course. Right. Yeah, exactly. Cat food, too. Cat food, too. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So, litter, you know, any of the sort of basic, we kind of focus on food because that's. Obviously well, a, critical, right. but there are other supplies that our um, clients' pets need as well that we yeah, try no, to help with right. as best Cat we can. Cat litter is huge. Yeah. Right. And it's heavy. Yeah. You know, our clients can't – many of our clients don't have internet, so they're not ordering yeah. things online. Getting right. to the store – It's hard for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really yeah, difficult. See, this is all the stuff we don't think about, yep. right, because we're so mobile and out and doing stuff. And right. You don't think about it. No. But you're right. And being in that situation, if you don't have – especially if you, you're not online, mm-hmm. so you're not going to, you know – uh, wag.com and ordering stuff right. to be delivered to you. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I have two cats of my own and I, I have our supplies delivered. And when I, in that, in that delivery, when there's litter, I even struggle to bring the package oh, no, upstairs. It's, it's I heavy. Know. I know. You know, and you think about somebody who's, who's older or dealing with disability. I mean, they, yeah, they, they, can't. they can't do that. No, it's true. So it's, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it's, Again, we're we're trying to relieve the burden in any way we can, just to make that relationship as easy and beneficial as possible. Sure, sure. Yeah. Wow, it's amazing. I mean, it's just, uh, and I know this is going to sound really corny, but I don't mean this in a corny way. But mm-hmm. you know, you hear along the way of people that are doing, and I'm not religious, but they say doing God's work. Yeah. This your organization to me is kind of like a doing God's work. <laughs> no, I mean that, and That's I don't mean nice. that in a corny way. And again, <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. religious, but yeah. I just feel like because you're doing such a Something that's so basic, mm-hmm. but it's so needed by people. Yeah, and you know, I I get a very similar response from people when I tell them about what we do, and they seem surprised, and they oftentimes will say, I never even thought of that. Right. You know, it's just so many people have pets, but, you know, how often are we stopping to think about how difficult these really basic tasks could be if of we course. are facing some sort of disability sure. or physical obstacle? Um, and what's really great and it's it's not the reason why i started the organization but in a way i think it is one of the most powerful benefits of what we do is the relationship that develops between the volunteer and the client right 
it's amazing to see the relationships that form. I always say it's sort of like a surrogate grandparent. Sure. And also a surrogate pet. You know, these people develop these great relationships. And we're sort of like the eyes and ears as well. Like our volunteers are in there much more frequently than anybody else because the clients that we're helping are very isolated. Right. um, And and somewhat removed from their community. And so, you know, having relationships with their social worker, which is actually how most of the referrals come to Mm -hmm. us, is really important because volunteers might spot something that is concerning. That no one knows notices the person's the person because it's themselves, they're not admitting it or knowing it or Yeah, yeah, and we're certainly not the right organization to respond directly to those needs. But at least you're seeing it and you can do something about it. Exactly. We can call the case manager. We can help connect them to a service in the community that we think they could benefit from. So it's really important and Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is somewhat of an extreme example, but it just demonstrates sort of the the significance of that relationship. So this was a couple of years ago, but we had a client who um, he had, it was a husband and wife volunteer team who would visit, I think, something like four times a week. And one day they said to the client, do you mind if we come a little bit early uh, tomorrow? We're going out of town for the weekend, something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, and he said, yeah, sure. They show up the next morning. Actually, I think it was just the husband. I think the wife wasn't there that morning, but he shows up knocks on the door, and he doesn't answer. The client is essentially homebound with the mm-hmm. exception of having to go to doctor's visits. Right. He calls. Nobody answers. He becomes concerned. He goes downstairs, and he finds the super of the building. They go up the stairs. They can't get in touch. So the super is able to get into the apartment. Right. They go into the apartment, and this man had suffered a stroke and <gasps> was laying in his bed with his dog. Oh, God. And so they, I guess they called 911, and, and he was rushed to the hospital, and he was not in good shape. And fortunately, he did survive. Probably because the volunteer yeah. came in at that point. And you think about it, like, that is crazy. It's crazy. Like, right. You know, we're, and I feel like that experience shaped a lot of how we train volunteers now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, you know, we talk a lot about the types of clients. You know, somebody, I think most people sign up with us because they want to walk a dog. Right. And we stand out because they also get to help a person as well. Right. But I right. think a lot of it initially stemmed from, you know, wanting to have fun and go outside and walk this right. dog. But it's not really that at all. Right. And so understanding that as a volunteer, you're going to have this relationship with another person who has had their own life and right. their life has led them to this place where right. they need our help. And right. You know, maybe you've never met or interacted with somebody who has dementia. Right. What does that mean? What are the kinds of things you need to be aware of to make that experience positive mm-hmm. for both you and for the person? And how do you navigate communication and sure. all of these things? You know, we've always thought that that was important. But then going through a situation like this where literally a volunteer saved a client's life. I was going to say that, yeah. Is... Um, I think just really demonstrates the role our volunteers have. Right. And 
you know, it's impossible to predict every situation that would occur. Right. So a lot of it is us telling volunteers, you need to use your common sense. Mm. You know, if there's something that's concerning, if there are red flags, pay call attention us. to it. Yeah, call. pay attention. Right. Right. You know, so. Um, wow. And so our volunteers are, I mean, they're amazing. I think sure. we have, I'm sure any nonprofit says this about their own volunteers, but I truly believe we have the absolute best volunteers in the entire world. Well, yeah, because yours, yours are doing like dual work. Yeah. You know, they're taking care of dogs or cats, mm -hmm. animals, but they're also taking care of people. Yeah. They're, they are being a social worker. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what is the training? Because you mentioned about training the volunteers. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Like, is it a long process, a short process? No, it's pretty short. We hold orientation sessions about twice every month. Mm -hmm. um, and we hold them at a couple of different places throughout Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And it's basically an hour to an hour and a half where our program manager talks about our programs and, you know, how we help and how volunteers will help. Right. Then goes over some case studies, things to be prepared for. And, you know, shows a video, and it's really just to orient right. prospective volunteers on what it would be like to be a volunteer, right. what the boundaries are, right? Mm -hmm. Like, as a volunteer, yes, you can do this, this, and this, but things you should not do right. are this, this, and this. Right. And here are and, the reasons why it's right. important to have boundaries and why we, you know, you can't do this and why right. you can or do that not, and things right. like that. Meaning, I would think on both sides, where yeah. if you want to be, like, overly helpful or yeah. Do something. But then for the person who has the volunteer coming up, if they ask you to cook dinner and you're not there to cook dinner. Right. So right. it's probably twofold. It's, and it's hard. You know, yeah. it's it's great. You know, our clients appreciate what their volunteers are doing. Of and course. I think sometimes also it can be hard to, you know, differentiate, you know, yeah, especially you, you develop these really strong relationships. Right. And, you know, maybe the volunteer starts taking out the garbage on their right, way out, way like little out. things like Which they don't really seem... no big deal. But yeah. right. But, but I get it. But yeah. it, you know, we're, so we, tr we try and talk about establishing boundaries. Because sure. If the first day you go, you start doing these things. Right. Then it, it'll, right. it'll snowball. Right. But obviously if you develop <laughs> You'll be moving in shortly and right, being exactly. a housekeeper too. <laughs> exactly. No, but, but you know, over time you develop a relationship and these are things that you want to do. And right, that, that's a, a different sort of thing. Right. But, right. um, we feel it's important to talk to our volunteers about boundaries because, what we don't want is for a volunteer to ever feel like they're put on the spot. So of we course. do our best to prepare them. We give them like language to use in case they're asked to do something. Oh, okay, good. Um, good. That makes sense. You know, and we say, you know, it's they're there to do a very particular task. If they ask you to do something else, you just say, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm here to to right. you know walk Fifi. Right. And that's it. You know, things don't right. like this don't happen all the time, but. But just in case, you don't want them to be put in an uncomfortable right. situation. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, yeah. that makes sense. And we work really hard to create an experience for our volunteers that's really positive. Right. So that's really important to us is, yeah. is giving them the tools they need and sure. then allowing them to, to be as successful as possible. So that way they stay with us for, yeah. for a long time. And it makes them time. happy. And it makes them happy exactly. to be a volunteer. Yeah. yeah, I would think your volunteers do stay for you, with you. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. We have, yeah. I was looking at it actually earlier today, and we have some volunteers who attended our very first orientation in October 2009 who are still volunteering wow. with us. Yeah. Wow. That's Which a is long great. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's amazing. like almost, that's nine years. That's a long that's, time. That's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so if someone who is listening now wants to be a volunteer, mm -hmm. how do they go about that? So we would love to have you if you're interested yes. in volunteering. We need, so many volunteers to help our clients and there are so many more people in the city who still need our help that we're not able to help yet 
So if you're interested in getting involved, the best thing would be to go to our website, which mm-hmm. is uh, www.pawsny.org. So that's P-A-W-S-N-Y.org. And there is a volunteer page okay. on the website, and it lists all the upcoming orientations. You can click on the one that you're interested in and sign up there. And right now the organization obviously is in Manhattan. So we we serve the five boroughs. Oh, the five boroughs. Okay. Yeah, we are most heavily in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mostly as a result of where our orientation locations are. We're okay. attracting people who are kind of coming through Midtown. Right. So I will say if anybody's listening who lives in an outer borough, uh-huh. Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, and you're right. interested in getting excuse me, and you're interested in getting involved, we would love to have you. Right. And that's one of our biggest obstacles in getting our services out to some of the outer neighborhoods. It's because you is need the volunteers. Because we need the volunteers. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So um, as well, if anybody you know knows of agencies or organizations out in some of the outer boroughs that you think might be good partners for us, might mm. be able to help connect us to volunteers or to orientation space, we're always looking for partners like that as well. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because you said – and so the people who are your clients, they come through you through social workers, through doctors, through – Yeah, so um, predominantly through social workers. Uh-huh. So our program director um, will – do outreach, oh, okay. and she'll reach out to organizations that she feels like are serving a similar demographic of clients. Right, right. Uh, she'll introduce our program to them. She will, if they're open to it, come and do a presentation um, either to staff or to the clients themselves, mm-hmm. talk about what we do, how we can help, and how to make a referral. Right. So many of our clients come through that um, way. And then we also get, you know, random people who've heard about us, right. sort of cold calls, Um and we don't say no in those cases. Right, it's course. just we see most people coming through the relationships we've developed in the community. Right. Which is really great for us because, as I spoke to before, we sometimes see issues come up with our clients that's outside of our purview. Uh-huh. And so having that relationship with the case manager that's right. working with that individual is a real asset for us. Sure, sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, and I would say, too, for the people who are listening, since this is also on the iHeartRadio app, so it's national, um, you would be more than happy to take donations. Absolutely. money (laughs) will buy whatever you need for the, yes. Absolutely. We definitely could benefit from the generosity of Of these wonderful listeners listeners, and people around the country and, and throughout New York. We are a relatively small organization with very ambitious goals. Uh-huh. There are tons of people in the city who still need help. Right. And we can't do that without money. Right. So our volunteers are part of the equation and our funders are, are the other part of the equation. Sure. So we um, we definitely need funding to help uh, sort of catapult our, mm-hmm. our organization and help grow what we're already doing on a somewhat small scale to be able to really maximize our impact. So... Um, donations can be made on our website. So the mm-hmm. same place you go to for volunteering, right. org. there's a donate button on our website. And um, that's probably the best way. And, mm-hmm. and anybody else who's interested, you know, you can certainly mail something to us as well. And all that information Mission's is on, on our the website. website. Yeah. So, because um, I'm, of course, I'm thinking, you know, we're here in New York today and for you to be in other cities yeah. down the road. Because <laughs> Do other cities have the same type of organization? Yeah, or? so when I first came up with the idea for this organization, you know, I came up with it because there was this couple that sort of inspired me to to research it. Right. And 
in that research, I came across a group out in San Francisco. Oh, okay. And they were doing this work, and they actually were called PAWS. Mm -hmm. And back then, we actually were not PAWS. When I founded this organization, we were PUP, which stood for Partners United for People and Pets. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. And that's clever, too. Yeah. Clever both and, ways. <laughs> and so I developed a really great relationship with their former president and would meet with him occasionally and, and, I learned a lot from right, him, right. And, and one day in my meeting, I said, you know, what do you think about us changing our name? You know, we're not formally affiliated. We're our own 501c3, but it'll right. help raise national recognition sure. for what our what our organizations are doing. And he really liked that idea. And so, you know, back then we we, adapt, we, we had their logo and right. their mission statement. And since then, we actually recently rebranded. But um, they were a huge inspiration right. to me when I was getting started to see that somebody else had had a similar idea right. and actually and made it work and made it yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. And they were, they were first started in the eighties to help people um, with HIV and AIDS. And okay. then since evolved to help other individuals struggling with pet care as well. Um, so that's pause out in San Francisco. And there are a few other groups scattered throughout. Mm -hmm. None of us are sort of formally working together. I believe there's one in LA, um, but it's not named. It's not like Pause LA. It's named something else. And I, I actually yeah. think it is Pause LA. Oh, it is. Yeah, I think it's Pause LA and Pause Pause San Francisco. And then beyond that, I'm actually not sure. There oh, are not there are not right. a lot of groups doing this work. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I feel like there's such a need for it. It's, I know. It's almost like such a a no brainer. I know. Right. And, and but, I I have these sort of crazy ambitious goals where I think you know 10, 15 years into the future, what we're doing, and yeah, I think we're building like a really efficient and effective model mm -hmm. here in terms of our staffing and how we're managing that staff to provide our services. And I think we could potentially get to a place where we're doing it really well here. Right. We, right now we have one program manager who kind of manages all of our clients. Right. You know, and I sort of see us, we kind of talk about it as like the hub and spoke uh -huh. model where, you know, we bring on program managers who have geographic focuses, sort of like case managers within uh -huh. the city. And once we feel like we're really doing what we can here in New York, taking that model that has been successful here and figuring out where can we go next. Sure. Um, I do get emails from people who are like, oh, are you out in Westchester or New Jersey right. or Long Island? And, you know, no, no we're not. No, could be. But we could be, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we just... There's still so much more, so much work we can still right. do here in New York. So right. it doesn't make sense now right. to kind of spread ourselves out. too right. thin. But I think, you know, my hope is that at some point in the future we can get there. I could see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true because, like yeah. I said, it's 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 definitely, it's like a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. You know, why hasn't anyone else over the years done this or yeah. thought of it? So, yeah. Um, or, yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, it's like a very fertile field for you. Right. Or um, even, like... If it's not us doing it directly because we really just want to stay focused here. Right. Like, what can I do to be a resource to people who want to do it in their communities? Right. You know, can like I... people can come to you, train yeah. with you. Yeah, and something. see how you do the program. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. We're getting all into my... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. My big picture well, things well, that I've been, good, th been thinking about. Yeah. No, but yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I see it happening because yeah. it's pretty incredible. It's, it's really you. wonderful work that you do. Thank you so much. So, and it <laughs> should be national, and you should be national. <laughs> You're so nice. <laughs> well, no, but it's true because you do. Yeah. You know, and I've been to your fundraisers, and they're yeah. and they're fun, mm -hmm. and they get people involved in the community, and it's it's just it's just a really wonderful yeah, thing. That's great. And actually, so. speaking of that, our our 
fundraiser for this year. Uh-huh. We're, tickets are not on sale yet, um, but will be May fifteenth. Okay. So um, in the next month or so, we should be ha- we should have information about that on our website and okay. on our social media. All right. So I look forward to hearing more about the fundraiser, and of course, I'll be there. Great. So I know you're probably shy about this information or humble, but tell us how how effective Pause New York has has been. Yeah, so uh, in, in 2017, our volunteers uh, visited clients more than 17,000 times wow. um, and donated more than 11,000 hours. And that was to help about 250 people and 350 pets. Wow. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. And we're seeing pretty significant growth year over year. Uh-huh. So, you know, I think next year we'll even see, you know, 25, 30% right. growth over those numbers as well. So right. we're, you know, we couldn't do it without our volunteers. They are just incredible. Right. Yeah. But you should be really proud. And Thank I know you. you're, you're humble about it, but <laughs> you should be proud. Those are incredible numbers. Thank you very much. So, and I hope that they, they triple and quadruple. Me too. Me too. <laughs> There's still like, you know, there's still so many more people who need our help. So uh, we look forward to, you know, growing that number. And you will. Yes. And you will. Keep going. And you will. And it's pauseny.org. So, Rachel Herman, did we talk about everything about Pause New York? I think we did. The the last thing I will say is um, we also would love to have as many social media followers as possible. So, you know, I I spoke about our website in terms of signing up to volunteer and donating. But if you can like us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, that would be incredible. And we're at pauseny. So Y Exactly. So we hope to see many of you there. Absolutely. And if you'd like to be a volunteer or you're not in the New York area, but you would like to make a donation to keep Pause New York going, pauseny.org. Rachel Herman, thank you for being on Maria's Mutz and Stuff. Thank you so much. This was great. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.